Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. I'm so happy for another opportunity for us to be in the Lord's Word. So tonight we're going to continue with our uh, study of First Timothy. But before we get there, let's enjoy hymn number 612. This is a wonderful hymn um, that is uh, related to tonight's fellowship. So hymn number 612, we can enjoy. Amen.
Oh, what glory. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, God intends that all his being, oh, Amen. our full supply. Yes, Lord. Amen. With him, I must be united in spirit, die. Amen. 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 Oh, God's being. Amen. Oh, his riches. Amen. Oh, Amen. In spirit flow. Amen. Amen. I must Amen. exercise my spirit. Amen. Amen. To know. Amen. Oh, all the riches of his nature. Oh, Amen. He has given us. Amen. And we must, we must touch him in the spirit. Amen. And we must see these things. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He has given us. Amen. We must touch him in the spirit. This Amen. 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 When the messages I listen, Amen. In Amen. The just that from within. Amen. Amen. Oh, what glory. Amen. In the spirit shine. Hey, in the spirit shine. Amen. 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 Yes, saints, I really appreciate this hymn because on the one hand, of course, we want to get into the truth of the word and we want the word to be opened to us that we can understand. Even like stanza three says, with the mind, we understand. So we need to be exercised in our mind to understand. But if we never use the spirit, we do not touch the Lord. So with the Spirit, we touch. Those who never use the Spirit, they lack very much. Mm -hmm. So even though there's so much riches in the Lord and in the Word, if we do not exercise our Spirit, dear saints, we don't touch the reality that is behind these words. Then the Word of God is really just like uh, we're doing a Bible study. We want to understand. We're getting into these matters. But, but there's nothing of God. And actually, we don't want such a, such a kind of uh, time. But we want to really be exercised. Even, I know it's difficult when we're online and we, or you listen. And, but, but even in this setting, we don't want the word to be dead. In stanza five, it says, when the word of God I study, I must touch the Lord. If in mind and not in spirit, then dead is the word. So we don't want a dead word tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want every day, even every day when we come to your word, we want your word to be to be alive. We want to touch you, Lord. Wanna, so, so, so this hymn, it really helps me to, to focus my being and to realize, Lord, you, you are so rich and all your being in the spirit is flowing. But I, on my side, I must exercise my spirit, you to know, him to know. So, Etienne, maybe let's let's sing this hymn again, and then we really 
endeavor to exercise and enjoy and touch the Lord in this hymn.
Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, what riches. Amen. Oh, what glory in the spirit shine. Oh, when Amen. I exercise my spirit, all Amen. are mine. Amen. 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 Oh, when I exercise. Oh, when I exercise. Amen. All are mine. Oh, Lord. Amen. Amen. When I exercise my spirit, all are mine. Amen. Amen. I must exercise my spirit, him to know. Amen. Amen. Oh, when the messages we listen, we must pray them in. Those words will be digested from within. Amen. Where's the spirit touch? Amen. Amen. With him, we must be united. Mm. Amen. Amen. Um, saints, well, we can uh, take another opportunity of exercising our spirit to uh, read the word. I hope as we're reading, you know, we will just allow our spirit just to just to touch the word. Um, anyway, so we're going to read the entire chapter. Four, chapter four, first Timothy. And if we're done reading, we could just uh, pray again, just again, our burden is to touch our spirit. Amen. Well, I enjoyed our reading there together. I felt like the spirit was speaking to us. Praise the Lord. May the spirit really speak to us through his word tonight. Actually, this is how this one starts in chapter four. Paul says, but the Spirit says expressly, okay? So who is it that is speaking here? Is it Paul or is it the Spirit? Well, he says, the Spirit says expressly, but it's Paul's writing here. Dear saints, actually, what we see in this verse, in these few words, that we see that the Spirit is speaking within Paul's Spirit. Saints, this is the principle that God takes in his New Testament. In the New Testament, God speaks through the principle of incarnation. He doesn't just want to come upon us like some powerful force and then kind of have a, I don't know, an overwhelming effect on us and then we just speak for the Lord. No, his desire is that we would be mingled with him. The principle of incarnation is seen with the Lord Jesus. Here is God. God wants to reach man. What does he do? He becomes a man. He enters into humanity. And he is God, is mingled with man. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is God mingled with man. Jesus is the God-man. He's God, yet he's man. He's the mingling of divinity with humanity. So in the Lord Jesus... What we had, what we saw, and what we heard was this spirit speaking. It says the spirit speaking. 
So in this verse, it doesn't tell us that the Holy Spirit was speaking or that the Spirit of God was speaking, but it just says, the Spirit says. Paul realized that we are mingled with God, and he expresses this. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17, he says, He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. Saints, this is very different from what many believers are endeavoring to enter into. They long for some reality of the Spirit, and they're seeking it in very outward ways, just like the Old Testament. In the, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon someone, and he would prophesy, or he would do miraculous things. But saints, in the New Testament, in God's New Testament economy, he doesn't operate in that way. He works by the principle of incarnation. He wants to be mingled with us. So Paul realized God's desire for you, saints, for me, is that we would be mingled with him. But if God can't find a human vessel who is one with him, who turns his being to him, who is open to him, then God doesn't have a way to mingle his speaking with man. And actually, then according to this principle, God can't have his speaking on the earth. So God needs man to be one with him. Paul was such a man. Paul was such a vessel who could be one with the Lord, who could sense what is the Spirit speaking, who through whom the Spirit could now express something. The Spirit says expressly, Paul was sensitive to the Spirit speaking. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, just in himself, but he, being joined to the Spirit, mingled with the Spirit, gave God a way to have his speaking on the earth. Of course, in verse the, the previous verses we saw last week in chapter 3, we're all very happy with those verses, right? Those verses show us this wonderful church, the mysterious. It's so how wonderful. It's, it's the mystery of godliness manifested in the flesh. So on the one hand, Paul realizes this is the church. The church is the manifestation of godliness in the flesh. It's, it's God coming. It's the incarnation of God, right? This is the church. The church is really the incarnation of this wonderful triune God being mingled with man. But then he realizes, the Spirit says to him, there's another, there's something that's, that's, that's also going to happen. He is one with the Spirit. And he realizes what is, what, is, what is taking place here. He realizes there's something that the Spirit is speaking expressly. So when he begins chapter 4 verse 1, he is not now all of a sudden changing his tune. No. In chapter 3, he was in Spirit. In chapter 4, he's warning us. The, the Spirit is speaking about what is going to happen. And when we look at church history, we realize the very thing that Paul was speaking of here, happened. Okay, but dear saints, for us tonight, I just feel there's something really in the Lord's heart that we would exercise our spirit. This is something so wonderful to me that we can be helped to see, even through this little word, the Spirit says expressly, through this little word, there's a little window that opens to us that God desires to mingle himself with man. And in our mingled spirit, there is now 
a sensitivity, uh, a kind of a reaction, uh, uh, a response to God. God wants to speak. The Spirit is speaking. But now there's a, a human vessel on the earth, you and me. Oh, Lord Jesus, make us these ones. Save us from, from not entering into this reality. Being in your word, studying your word, wanting to know more about your word, but not have you mingled with us. The Spirit is speaking, but how can we receive His speaking without being in Spirit? Surely, we have to exercise our Spirit to touch the speaking Spirit, to touch the speaking of the Spirit. The Spirit is speaking expressly, but if we are in our mind, our mind cannot understand these things. Since I'm so impressed with this fact, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, um, in verse 9, Paul talks about the things that God has prepared for those who love him. In verse 10, he says, They are revealed through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Okay? And then he goes on to say, But a soulish man, in verse 14, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to know them, because they are discerned spiritually. Saints, it is in our human spirit that the Spirit can speak to us. It's, it's even when we are with others and we want to speak forth God's economy, God's purpose with man. If we want to unveil others, we need to be exercised to release our spirit. Our spirit must come forth. If our spirit, dear saints, does not come forth, it cannot touch the spirit of someone else. But at the same time, if we listen we can listen to something, but if we are not exercised in our spirit, then the spirit still cannot speak to our spirit. And it is to the spirit, to us as our, our, our human spirit, this mingled spirit, God being in my spirit, that God is wanting to speak to us tonight. So dear saints, I really hope we would be exercised to turn our being, to, to, to not just sit in a passive way, we can, it's very easy, right, to just sit and listen and, and receive something, but just in our mind. We don't want to be in that situation. We want to be those who receive the spirits speaking. Oh, Lord Jesus, unveil us. May we, may we, may we hear what you're speaking. We don't want to hear and then not hear. We hear something, but it doesn't really penetrate our being. Okay, so... This spirit wants to speak something, and if we're in our spirit, this word can penetrate, and we can receive the spirit speaking. Okay, so what is the spirit speaking to us tonight? Well, he's saying, in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Yes, wow, the glorious vision at the end of chapter 3 of the mystery of godliness, the, the house of God, the church is the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and the base of the truth. It's the mystery of godliness manifested in the flesh. This, these verses are actually the peak of Paul's writing in First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. When you read these four books, you realize this is this is the 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 the, the pinnacle, is that is this vision of the church being the house of God, being the house of the living God. 
the pillar and the base of the truth, the mystery of godliness manifested in the flesh. But now he says, in latter times, some will depart. The Spirit is speaking this to us. In latter times, some will depart from the faith. So these latter times does not refer to the uh, the last days that Paul refers to in 2 Timothy. So when Paul wrote 2 Timothy, he also referred to some things that would happen. But those were in the last days. This was happening right after Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy. So he recognized the Spirit, actually, not him, the Spirit. The Spirit recognized. And then he had a, 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 an avenue to speak this forth. And so Paul recognized what the Spirit is saying is that in latter times, so will depart from the faith. And one, and this is so difficult for me sometimes to believe. Lord, the church, how can anybody leave the church? How can anybody leave the, the vision that we have seen of your economy, of God's New Testament economy? But Paul is telling some, even in first in, in chapter one, he's telling them, listen, you need to you need to to um charge certain ones not to teach different things. Don't teach things other than 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 God's economy. Don't teach something other than God's New Testament economy. As soon as we deviate from God's New Testament economy, you know what will happen. We will depart from the faith. And Paul, through the Spirit, he recognized that this was going to happen. Now, when we look at church history, we realize this is exactly what happened. But what I'm impressed with is that, uh, okay, so this faith, they will depart from the faith. That is what we believe in. That is the object of faith. That's basically God's New Testament. It's what we believe in. Okay, so some will depart from, from that faith. But what I what I realize is this kind of deviation that comes in or this leaving, the latter time some will depart. That departing of the faith is not something, maybe sometimes in my mind, I think it's something like this, right? Some are in the in the in the ministry, in the faith, and then in God's New Testament economy, and then all of a sudden they're out. But actually, this came in very, very subtly and very slowly until eventually you end up 500 after Christ. You end up in the dark ages. I mean, the decline, when, you, when you're there, you just realize, whoa, this is like the Bible was locked up. <laughs> the word of God was locked from man. So the... So the darkness that was among the believers at that time is tremendous. But it's hard to believe, right? How can you get from, oh, the church going on in Acts and the saints going out to preach the gospel, churches being raised up. How do you end up with the Bible being like that? Well, as soon as we begin to deviate a little bit from God's New Testament economy, and there's something else I'll speak. To, uh, 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 we'll come to in verse two. That's also a great, a great um, kind of like a warning or an encouragement for us to be saved from this kind of deviation. But as soon as there's this little bit of a departing from God's New Testament economy, oh, dear saints, the enemy will have us on a on a decline. 
So Paul, through the Spirit, realizes this. There's a decline coming. Okay, so what happens is they will give heed to deceiving spirit and the teaching of demons. Oh, this sounds quite serious, right? But this is what happened. The deceiving spirits, there are two kinds of um, evil spirits, really, that's operating today. One is fallen angels. That, that's the deceiving spirits. The fallen angels, they followed Satan at his rebellion. The demons, those are the spirits of the fallen creatures from the pre-Adamic age that was judged by God at that time. So now these demons, they are on the earth. The, the deceiving spirits, they are in the air. And together, they are working to deceive and to teach. So the, the deceiving spirits, they want to bring in deception. And the demons, they want to deviate from the, the teaching. Uh, different teachings okay but listen to verse 2 by means so they operate these evil angels and, and demons they operate by means of the hypocrisy of men who speak lies so so who do they use so they also have a journal <laughs> it seems that they also have a way to speak some things and so we see here that it is by the hypocrisy of men. Hypocrisy means to show something forth but be something else. right? I think it comes from the, the Greek word to have a mask. So when actors would, would portray something on a play, they would have this mask in front of their faces to portray a certain kind of thing, but really behind the mask is something else. So these men... They would present themselves in a very, maybe in a very proper way, in a, but actually what's coming through is lies. And then he says, of men who are branded in their own conscience as with a hot iron. That word for branded there is like seared. It's, it's, what, it's what people would do when they wanted to mark someone as their slave or a beast as their own. I don't know if you've been to a farm and you see how farmers would mark some animals. There would be maybe at the back or something. There would be a, a, a an hot iron would be used to 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 brand, to sear uh, something. Okay, so it was to burn something onto another, like the flesh of something, to show who it belongs to. But here he's saying that they got branded in their own conscience. So instead of having a good conscience, a pure conscience, a sensitive conscience, a conscience that is sensitive to the Spirit speaking, but a branded conscience. So there's, their conscience gets desensitized. They no longer, the Lord cannot touch them in their conscience. Our conscience is a part of our spirit. So when our spirit gets branded or seared as with a hot iron, then it means that our conscience becomes less sensitive. So now all of a sudden, there's all these different things. There's, there's deceiving coming in. There's teachings coming in. And because our conscience has been seared, it's not so sensitive. It's not a good conscience. It's not a pure conscience. 
even Paul talks about it in in chapter one. Some are are thrusting away a good conscience. They're leaving the faith because they 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 they're not taking heed to their conscience. Dear saints, if we want to be safeguarded from from being carried away by the hypocrisy of men who speak lies, they're not speaking the truth. Then what is happening is we need to have some discernment within us. Even I do feel like maybe some have spoken some negative things about the Lord's recovery or about the ministry, and you you have a feeling you're not sure. But I'm sure each one of us can testify that there was something within our inner being that testified to the fact that this is the truth. This is not a lie. I remember one brother's testimony. He said he touched the Lord's recovery. And he was very involved in a denomination at that time. And when the, the leaders of the denomination found out that him and his wife had been exposed to this, they went and did some research and they found all kinds of evil books and lies about us. And they gave them these books. But the brothers said, you know what happened? Before they gave us those books, we had been exposed to some of the ministry. And we just felt that the Lord was supplying us as the Spirit. He was ministering to us. And so when those evil books, when when those evil books were, were, were given to us, we could just recognize this is not the Spirit speaking. These books are not the truth. Because my experience testifies. I my conscience is testifying something else. So dear saints, we need to realize that it's not just that these 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 hypocritical men are just maybe unbelievers or ones that don't know you know who are not not Christians. Naturally, maybe we would think that Christians won't lie. Of course, we don't go around just questioning one another the whole time and and uh, being full of um, uh, you 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 never you never open to anybody because you just. What if, what if they're speaking lies to me? Of course, we need to discern. But we don't have to go around being too um, like critical of others. But if our conscience is keen and we exercise our spirit, through this book we realize that something that's so crucial is being of sober-mindedness. This will make our mind even sober and we will recognize this is the Lord speaking, and this is not the Lord speaking. What these ones are speaking to me, what is being ministered to me here, is ministering Christ to me. It is a ministry that is betrothing me to Christ. It is causing me to love the Lord more. So what I just experience in my conscience testifies to what the Spirit is doing. And so when we are keen in our inner being, even many of these evil books that were written about us were written by believers. It was written by Christians, right? And they were just speaking blatant lies. But, but their conscience, they were just happy to speak it. They were just, it was just so easy to even publish these things in books. So, so these things are happening, dear saints. But we can exercise our spirit to listen to the spirit speaking so that we wouldn't be deceived 
and carried about away by winds of teaching. Okay, so why did this teaching? They forbid marriage and command abstaining from food, foods. Well, this is quite something, because both marriage and food has been ordained by God for man. Without marriage, man cannot reproduce, right? It will just end with a certain generation. And not only without marriage, without food. I mean, abstaining from food. Food is the way that we sustain our lives. These things have been given to us by God to sustain us. Of course, we know the enemy. On the one end, he will use the lust, the fall of man, the lust in our flesh to indulge in these kind of things and be utterly destroyed by them, by, by indulging in things like fornication and adultery. And then not only that, but even foods, not taking care of our health in a proper way, just because of our fallen condition. So there's that one side. But here, these ones are teaching, no, abstain from these things. They forbid marriage. They forbid marriage. Okay, but marriage was given by God for man, for God's purpose. Dear saints, we have to realize that these things are not just things that are, okay, they're nice to have or something. These things are for God's purpose, for the fulfillment of God's purpose with man. And so these teachings forbid this and the abstaining of foods, which God has created to be partaken of. So God has created all these things. He's created all these things for us to partake of so that we can sustain our living. But now some are teaching something very different. They're teaching, no, you need to abstain from these things. A kind of a... Uh, asceticism, a, a kind of a suffering. Oh Lord Jesus, may we, may we be clear about this deceiving, these deceptive teachings. Okay, so how do we partake of our food? We partake of our food with thanksgiving. We partake of food with thanksgiving by those who believe and have full knowledge of the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be rejected if received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified through the word of God and intercession. So, uh, well, on the one hand, there's like this kind of a, um, I don't know what's the right word, almost like a, a, a habitual um, saying of grace that's religious maybe, that, People don't eat before they say grace. Okay, but Paul is telling us, you need to thank the Lord. He is providing for us. We can thank him. And not only, I, I was so touched. I was uh, reading something that Brother Lee wrote about this. He said, I don't, you, don't, you don't even have to thank, you don't have to thank the Lord only before you eat. You can thank the Lord while you're eating. That to me is it's so wonderful because that often is my experience. While I'm eating, I'm just like, wow, this food is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, I'm not saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't, of course, we don't want to be 
stuck in some kind of religious activity, okay? But on the other hand, we want to be so thankful to the Lord. We shouldn't we shouldn't just uh, neglect the Lord. We want the Lord to be part of our lives. We want the Lord to be in our lives. And we want to recognize that He is the one who's caring for us and providing for us. So we thank the Lord. Brother Lee even says, sometimes he even thanks the Lord for a loss of water. Why is drinking water? He says, thank you, Lord, for this water. It's sustaining me. Dear saints, we need to thank the Lord for what he has provided for us, for what he's given to us. And we don't just thank him so that uh, as a kind of a, a, re, a, a religious activity, but we thank him because truly we are thankful. It's, it's the Lord's care for us. And in verse 5, he says, For it is sanctified through the word of God and intercession. Now, this word for intercession, I looked up many translations, are not bold enough to use the word intercession there. But actually, Paul is using this word because you are praying for something or someone. Okay, that's what intercession is. Prayer is contact with God. But intercession is specifically praying for something or someone. So Paul uses this word. The word there is intercession. That's the Greek word. So what that means is that it means that we are praying for the Lord to sanctify our food. If the Lord has sanctified our food, we can partake of it with thanksgiving. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to think, oh, Lord, or, 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 or is this enough? Or we, can, we can thank the Lord for what he has given to us and pray that that food will serve even his purpose. So, dear saints, what we see in this little portion is that Paul is telling us that there will be a deviation that is going to come in, in the church. Not long after, even while he was still on the earth, Paul realized that many had left the faith. They had left what we believe in. And they had taken another way because of the deception of the evil spirits and because of the teaching of demons through hypocritical men whose conscience was seared, whose conscience was is no longer sensitive. But dear saints, if we exercise our spirit, we will recognize and we'll be able to discern, have a sober mind concerning what the Lord is speaking and how the Lord is speaking to us. And then we'll even be able to, to partake of very ordinary things that seems that on the one hand can be abused by man, and on the other hand, this kind of forbidding of, of marriage and an abstaining from food, that Satan is after killing, this, to still kill and destroy, right? If he can destroy man, he'll do it, even by teaching things about abstaining from food and, and forbidding marriage. So he's using all these, these evil ones to 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 use these hypocritical men by means of the hypocritical men to bring in some things but we what do we our response is just lord thank you for your care for me thank you lord you've provided these things not just so that i can enjoy and and be happy but so that you can fulfill your purpose because god wants the church to be the house of god to be the house of the living god to be the pillar, to be the base of the truth, to be the very expression of his godliness on the earth, to become the expression of God among man. 
So may we really exercise our spirit to discern and to know what the spirit is speaking to us in this time. Okay, saints, I'm going to end there. And uh, Brother Hector, you can continue. Wow, that, that, that first section is very, very helpful. The Lord could have a channel to speak to us. On the one hand, it's Paul writing, but in Paul's writing, we have something uh, where it says, the Spirit says. So who's writing or who's speaking? Actually, this is the principle of incarnation, that today the Lord desires to express himself through man. This is the mystery of godliness. I love, I love those verses in chapter 3, that the, the mystery of godliness is that he, God, would be manifested in the flesh. This is what's on God's heart. The mystery of godliness, what God is after, is that he, God, would be manifested in the flesh. This is God's house. So, you know, when when Brother Ajahn was mentioning that what's going to happen is that at the la uh, later times, some will depart from the faith. Some will depart from this vision of God manifesting himself in the flesh. They will depart and they will begin to open up, give heed to these deceiving spirits and teaching of demons now if we didn't have if i were if you were to block the rest of the verses from verse 2 all the way to verse 5 what would you say the teaching of demons and the deceiving spirits do what would you say to be honest i would not have guessed that what they do is they forbid marriage you know, if you look in the church life, how important the marriage, the, the households is, you will realize that these teachings are actually directly attacking God's desire. It is in the households, it, was, it is in the marriages that God is able to carry on his economy. I don't know if you paid attention last week, about the elders, what should an elder be? The qualifications, Paul spends a good amount of time to talk about the family life. The brother has to be a husband of one wife. He has to have children in subjection. He has to manage his household. So you realize that God's economy needs this, needs the households. So when these teachings and the, 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 demon, uh, the, the, the deceiving spirits and the teachings of demons, they are forbidding marriage, on the surface it seems like a small matter, but actually it is a direct attack on what God desires to accomplish on the earth. Brother Adrian used the words, in the New Testament, God works in the principle of incarnation. In other words, God desires to express himself through us human beings. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, but the Spirit says expressly. How did the Spirit speak? 
Did he speak from the heavens? Did he open the cloud and said, some will depart? No, he found a channel through whom he could release this word. He found an open vessel, Paul, through whom he could say something expressly. So the, 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 the burden here, dear saints, uh, I really appreciate what Brother Adrian mentioned, is that we need to be exercising our spirit and in particular, taking care of our conscience, of our conscience. Uh, if if we have enough time, we will we will have a, an opportunity to share something about the conscience. So there's the forbidding of the marriages, and there's also the forbidding of foods. Wow, dear saints, I love that we need to partake of our food with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Not only did you bring me into the church life, but you have supplied me the food I need to be a man on the earth, and I could afford you the chance to carry out your economy. That is God manifested in the flesh. Can we not thank the Lord for food? Not just that there's food on the table, but Lord, you have supplied me. You have given me the sustenance that I will be on the earth to continue to live in your economy. You know, uh, the Christian life, on the one hand, it's us desiring to express the Lord. But according to this verse in, in, in verse 16 in chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3.16, you get the feeling that actually God desires, is the one who desires to live through us. We might have a desire, Lord, I'd like to express you, but the Lord actually has a reciprocal prayer where he's, uh, dear brother, dear sister, I'd like to express, I'd like to be expressed through you. I would like to live through you. It's not just man seeking to live a life of God, but it's God seeking to live the human life. Now the Lord has supplied us with food. Can we not thank him? Oh, I love this word. It seems so small, but we can thank Lord. Thank you for breakfast. Thank you for lunch. Thank you for dinner. Because this supplies me so that I could be in your economy. This is, this is, this is wonderful. Um, so then uh, Paul goes on. Not only does he warn us about what will happen, you know, the decline. But then he also gives us a word, something quite sweet. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy, there's going to be a decline. Here's a vision of God's economy. God desires to express himself through the flesh, through the church. But there's going to be some will deviate. What should you do, Timothy? What should you do in such a situation? Should you go and find another church? Should you leave? What should you do? Well, let's come to verse 6. Verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, If you lay these things before the brothers, you will become, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Paul is encouraging Timothy. Timothy, no matter the climate, 
What should you be concerned with? If you lay these things before the brothers, you will become a good minister. I love these words. Paul doesn't say, Timothy, you need to be a minister of Christ, but he says a good minister. Timothy, you need to be a good minister in such a climate where there's all kinds of men who are branded in their own conscience. Timothy, you need to be a good minister of Christ Jesus. A minister of Christ Jesus here is not only a person who belongs to Christ. It's not just a minister who is possessed or who belongs to Christ or whose owner is Christ. But here we have something even deeper. A minister of Christ is one who serves Christ to others. Paul was encouraging Timothy that in such a situation where others are, are, are giving heed, they're opening themselves to uh, deceiving spirits, he was encouraging Timothy. Timothy, you need to lay these things, the things of God's economy, lay them before the brothers. In this way, you will be a good minister of Christ. You will be one who serves, one who you like a, a steward. You are distributing the riches of Christ. Oh, dear saints, it's Paul's word here is that actually all of us in the church life, we need to have this kind of a desire and even kind of a pursuit. Lord, in the church, I would like to be a factor of life. I would like to be a distributor of Christ. That is, I, what I lay before the brothers is not this, not that, not politics, not um, 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 oh Lord, not not just encouragement, but I would like to minister Christ. I would like to supply the saints that when what I laid before them is Christ for them to enjoy. Actually, if you if you consider this word, uh, Paul, when he says what you lay, it's almost like you are. You, you are uh, putting on the table what you lay before the brothers. It's like for dinner when you set up the table. Uh, Paul was encouraging Timothy to be one who lays Christ, the riches of Christ, before the brothers. Don't bring the brothers into politics, into uh, different teachings. Bring them to Christ. Minister Christ to them. Oh, so, so this is what Timothy, actually, the word Timothy, uh, we may have mentioned this before, it is it means to honor God. Timo, that's honor. Theos, that means God. Actually, in the church, the way to honor God is to minister Christ to the dear saints. What we lay before the saints, it's not secular talk but we just care to minister Christ. But in order for us to minister Christ, Paul goes on in verse six. He says, being nourished. So Timothy, if you are going to lay these things before the brothers, there's something you need to take care of. You need to take care of being nourished with the words of the faith. 
I love this word nourished. If you, if you have a pen, uh, you can highlight this. Paul doesn't say being taught. The, the men who are bringing in these teachings, the, 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 the deceiving spirits, they are teaching. But Paul is bringing Timothy away from teaching and doctrine. He says, Timothy, you need to receive some, some food from, from the words of the faith. Get, get something to eat, some nourishment. You know, nourishment is food for growth, health, and life. In other words, Paul is bringing Timothy to life. Dear Timothy, what you should be concerned with is being nourished. Receive the food which causes you to grow. The food which causes you to, to have proper health, to be healthy. Oh, actually, here, saints, we have a pattern. We have a pattern. In the church life today, we need to be those who are spending time in the words of the faith. We need to spend time in the word. Timothy was being encouraged by Paul. Timothy, what should you be doing? Be nourished. Spend time receiving. You know, the, the matter of spending time in the word it is the basic uh, essence. It is essential to life. If we don't spend time daily in the word, we will be sick. We will be sick. Our spiritual life will be sick. Just, just consider, dear saints, if you just didn't have time to eat the whole week physically, just consider. You will be weak and you will be susceptible from all to, to be uh, affected by all kinds of diseases. Instead of, you know, uh, Paul doesn't say, Timothy, recognize the false teaching. He tells Timothy, eat the words of the faith. Enjoy these words. Be nourished by them. These words will make you healthy. These words will make you healthy. And when you have this kind of an eating, what should you do? You should lay these things before the brothers. Not only do you eat, but you begin to be a minister. Uh, he says you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Uh, I, I, I wish, you know, I, I do realize today all of us are busy. You know, we're, we, have, we have busy schedules. There's all kinds of demands. And I, I do recognize that. But we also have to have this realization that our life depends on the eating. It depends on the eating. Lord, we have to ask the Lord, daily, Lord, give me at least 10 minutes to be in your word. Lord, I need the words of the faith and of the good teaching. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, no matter how busy I am, give me time daily to be in your word. You know, even physically, we do get busy, but we never get busy such that we, we don't have time to eat. It's, it's, I find it very fascinating. Even no matter how busy I am, sometimes I'm so busy, but I nonetheless still manage to eat something. 
So also in our spiritual life, we need to have this realization that if I don't eat, I cannot be part of the mystery of godliness. I'm going to be sick. How can the Lord be expressed through me if I'm not receiving the food supply of God's economy? If I'm not receiving the riches of Christ? Oh, Lord, I, I hope, you know, we would all have this, even a, a prayer to the Lord. Lord, I'm on this earth. Thank you for supplying me with food. Thank you for supplying me with a, a marriage, if we have one, a household through which I could live you. But Lord, I need the supply, the inward supply. Oh, Lord, I need to be in your economy inwardly. Okay, verse 7, um, he goes on. He says, but the profane and old womanish myths refuse in other words, don't pay attention to them. Don't pay attention to those things. Um, Timothy was the best person to speak these words to because Timothy had a, a Jewish mother and a Greek father. In the Jewish culture and religion, tales, fables, and myths, they are very prevalent. They are very prevalent. If you listen to the rabbis, they make very, very good stories. They are very, very good. But Paul says, don't give those things even a second. Refuse them. Refuse. On the contrary, Timothy should exercise. Exercise yourself. Timothy, there's a decline. What should you be doing? Exercise. Exercise yourself unto godliness, unto godliness. You know, the, the exercise unto godliness, we have to have a view that actually in the New Testament, godliness means an expression of God. Godliness is a living of God. So when Timothy is being charged to exercise Actually, Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to exercise yourself unto the expression of God. Forget all the womanish things, the old myths, but take care of exercising your spirit to touch Christ, who is the spirit, and have a living that expresses him. Actually, essentially here, Paul is saying we need to take care of our spirit. Our body, in verse 8, he says, we need bodily exercise is profitable for a little. You know, bodily exercise, that's what the Olympics, the Olympians would exercise, the Greeks. So Timothy really understands what it means, exercise. He knows what exercise means. His dad was a Greek. Uh, if you've seen Greek statues, they have muscles, big muscles, because they, they had bodily exercise. But Paul is saying, Timothy, yes, bodily exercise is profitable for a little. But dear Timothy, the exercise of your spirit, the exercise unto godliness, that is more profitable. Take care of that. In the church life, we need to be these kinds of Timothys. 
the the best way, the way to honor God in the church, in his household, the way to be a Timothy, the one who honors God, we need to be those who are receiving. Inwardly, we are receiving the nourishment from the words of the faith. But then outwardly for the expression of God, to express him, to express God in the church, we are exercising unto godliness. We are exercising with a view that we, we our desire is that the Lord would be expressed. So inwardly, we were receiving the nourishment of the words of the faith, and we lay these things, we nourish others inwardly, but outwardly, we're also exercising our spirit daily, exercising our spirit. Um, maybe I'll, I'll just mention this. The matter of the exercise of our spirit, we need to see what our spirit is. Our spirit is the most important part of our being. According to Zechariah, our spirit is as important as the heavens and the earth. When Zechariah speaks about God, he says he is the God who stretches forth the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and he forms the spirit of man within him. In the order of importance, our spirit is as important as the earth and the heavens. We need to have this view that actually our spirit is so important to the Lord. So Paul here, he charges us, exercise. Timothy, this is not a casual matter. The matter of you living God is not just something you stumble on, but it requires exercise. Actually, this word exercise is, is, is the same word as gymnastics. If you've ever seen gymnastics, uh, 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 gymnasts, they are not casually in the gym. They are not just, you know, casually, but they are applying themselves, putting a lot of effort. Even I would say this word means to force yourself. In other words, we don't have the tendency to exercise our spirit. On the contrary, we have a tendency to exercise our mind, our emotion, but our emotion, as Brother Adrian mentioned, doesn't give the Lord an opportunity for him to express himself. It is only in our spirit. The more we exercise our spirit, the more we will live out godliness. Oh, Lord Jesus. Um, I'll mention this briefly, that our spirit is composed, is... Um, is an organ composed of three parts. The major part, the main part, is our conscience. Our conscience, uh, in our, the conscience in our spirit, actually helps us to know when we're in God's economy or not. When we are not in God's economy, our conscience alerts us. You are not in God's economy. So we need to take care of our conscience. If there's anything in our conscience that, that is accusing us, we need to go to the Lord. Lord, whatever it is, enlighten me. Clear this matter. It may have been a conversation or 
even even maybe uh, we are not right with another brother or sister or a family member, or we didn't we were not righteous in some way, we sense this matter in us, we should clear that. We should not let it go. Because actually that is to exercise our spirit. We are we are using, exercising uh, our spirit. This is uh, to clear anything frustrating. This is part of our conscience, of our spirit, the conscience. The second part of our conscience is fellowship. Fellowship. Oh, dear saints, you know, we, we should not neglect our gathering together. Our gathering together. Recently, I was just touched by the Lord. It's like the gathering of the saints. You don't, you don't regard it so much. Uh, other things are taking priority. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm not caring for fellowship. When I'm with the saints, I can exercise the part of my spirit, which is called fellowship. Of course, we can fellowship with the Lord. Um, um, we, we definitely can do that. Daily, we can speak to the Lord, you know, by thanking him, thanking him for the food he's given us to partake of. But my point is, there's this aspect that when we gather together, we can we have this opportunity to exercise our spirit, to fellowship. You know, the, the, the gatherings of the saints, the conferences, the video trainings. Oh, I hope we would never neglect those because they give us an opportunity for us to exercise our spirit through fellowship. And then there's also the third part of our spirit. This is the intuition. This is... Um, this is a, a, a deeper part. This is where we can sense the Lord's feeling directly without the Lord saying anything, but we can touch the Lord's feeling inwardly. You know, may, maybe, maybe we, sometimes we, we live in a certain city. We might have a, a sense within about the Lord. Lord, what about um, what about the people in this region, you know? Or sometimes it may be a certain feeling about some matter which the Lord needs prayer. So, so my point is, the more we exercise our spirit, actually we can begin to live godliness. God could have a channel. He might need us to pray for some dear saint, some situation, but if we don't exercise our spirit to be open, the Lord has no way. And as a result, we simply cannot live him and express him. I, I hope this, oh, dear Lord, we would have a, a feeling concerning our spirit. Oh, Lord, my spirit. Day by day, we would take care of our spirit through the, through the uh, clearing of the conscience, uh, exercising to have a a good conscience. That's what uh, uh, the first chapter mentions. Don't throw away a conscience. Don't, don't collect, but take care. Take care of the conscience. And also exercise to fellowship, both with the Lord and with one another. We just exercise. Forget the old womanish things, uh, old myths, but exercise. Exercise ourselves unto godliness. 
and lay these things before the brothers. Okay, uh, in verse 9, Paul says, Faithful is the word, and worthy of all acceptance. 10, for to this end we labor and strive. Why were the brothers laboring this way? What was, what, what is it? What caused them to, to labor? Actually, labor, um, the Greek word means you are, you, you faint. You have worked to exhaustion. This is how the brothers were seeking, pursuing God's economy. They were laboring unto exhaustion. They were giving everything, every ounce of their being, their time. They were giving it to God's economy. Uh, why? Why were, why were they laboring this way? It, it was because they had set their hope on the living God. Praise the Lord. We have a living God. Their hope was, on, was in the living God. We cannot place hope in something that's not living. Our God is living. We can put our hope in him. And this God is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So Paul says in verse 11, charge and teach these things. In the church life, we need to teach these things. Uh, verse 12 says, let no one despise your youth, but be a pattern. These words I really appreciate. You know, we might say maybe, I don't know, uh, you might feel I'm not a youth. Uh, this word doesn't apply to me. Maybe the first part doesn't. You might say uh, uh, maybe nobody despises my youth. But being a pattern, dear saints, we all could be a pattern. We all could be a pattern of someone who ministers Christ. Someone who takes the initiative to enjoy the Lord who takes the initiative to exercise our spirit. So here Paul is encouraging us to be a pattern. Be a pattern. Now this doesn't mean you're trying to be uh, uh, something others can admire or some for others' admiration. But essentially here Paul says, take the lead to enjoy Christ. Take the lead. Be a pattern. Others, what, what are they going to do? They're just going to follow the pattern. Be a pattern. We're not doing this out of uh, selfish ambition, but we are caring for God's economy. Oh, be a pattern to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. Uh, these these last three were, uh, verse twelve to sixteen, they actually show us that we need to in the church life pursue go on. Yes, we may be in the church life. Thank you, Lord, but we need to go on. We need to be a pattern. We need to pursue the word. Uh, be a pattern in our speaking. What do we speak? We speak God's economy. We are constituted with the word. Um, what, what else? Our conduct. What is our conduct? What is, what is our living? What does our living look like? Godliness. We, we, are, we are going on to a, living a life that day by day, the Lord is increasing in us, 
day by day, the Lord is gaining the ground to express himself in us. And then in faith, you know, going on and pursuing the Lord, loving him in love, loving him and loving the saints, and in purity. That is, we just care for one thing. We don't care to be this brother or that sister. We just care for God's economy. Oh, we may not be a youth, but we could be a pattern. We could be a pattern. Oh, Lord Jesus. And in verse 14, sorry, 13, until I come, attend to the public reading, to the exhortation, to the teaching. Do not neglect the gift which is in you, which was given to you by means of the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15, I love these three words. Practice these things. Practice. Oh, dear saints. In other words, do not lose heart. Just practice. Practice. Day by day. While the Lord has given us a day, we just practice to exercise our spirit, to be a good minister of Christ. Just practice. You know, in the church life, we need a lot of practice. You know, in the, I, I would mention this. There are no experts in the church life. How do you exercise your spirit? Can you ever graduate? Are you an expert? We just practice. Do I, is this how you ex exercise? Is this just practice? Paul is encouraging Timothy. Just practice. Be in them. Verse 15. Be in these things. Be immersed. Spend your time in God's economy. Practice them. Be in them. And this is something wonderful. Paul says, he says, if we practice and we are in these things, he says, your progress. This is why I mentioned this. We need to go on in the church life. We need to advance. The more we practice, the more we are in these things, Paul says, your progress will be made manifest. It will manifest. The more this, you're not working in the church, you just keep going to one meeting, and then another meeting, and then another conference. Well, if we practice, and we're in these things, Paul says, your progress will be manifest. In other words, day by day, we are in God's economy. God is increasingly gaining ground to be expressed to us so that in the church, he would have the avenue to be manifested. Oh, praise the Lord. May I, I hope these two matters of be receiving the nourishment in the word and not only receiving, but also accompany this nourishment with the exercise, with the exercise. Oh, Lord Jesus, these two matters, this is what Timothy, uh, Paul tells us, this will make us a good minister of Christ. Okay, uh, I think I, I, I better stop there. Um, 
we can uh, break into uh, groups um, where we would have an opportunity for all of us to share. We could break for, I guess, uh, uh, I think 10 minutes should be enough. And then we can overflow and we can come back um, uh, at 2015.